I found it interesting because it was a very political thing. It wasn't a scientific explanation of quantum computing. It was a political explanation. Not that that's a bad thing, but was he it repeated though? himself twice. Yeah, he did. And like it was it was clear that he had a couple of lines to say about it, which is which makes total sense. Right. Well, they'd anticipate people might ask mm-hmm. about it. Right. And obviously it's it's pretty interesting. So you'd want to know anyways. Yeah. But I felt like if he had been asked a follow up to it, he would have been like, ah, that's all I got. <laughs> right. But also he, as, as a reporter, you're not going to try to embarrass the prime minister because he's just not going to call on you anymore. Right. Like from if if it's anything like sports reporting reporters get get a rapport if you'll allow the yeah double similar words um <clears throat> they get a rapport with the person they're trying to get lines from right yeah and you're building a relationship so i'm sure it's the same way that you wouldn't want to cause anything to damage that i guess yeah but yeah it i felt it wasn't um how do i unmute nick i can do it okay um, I felt it didn't seem too fabricated or scripted of a response. I don't know. Nick, what do you think of, of the Trudeau quantum computing answer? Uh, if you saw it, I, that was all over my radar. <laughs> um, you know how, like if a mobile story ever broke and I asked you if you'd <laughs> caught that on your radar, I know, you know. I realized as I was asking, it's kind the of question, a silly like, question. Why am I even asking? Yeah, like, does Nick pay attention to politics? Is that a thing he's interested in? <laughs> well, no, yeah, that uh, for as little as I checked Twitter, that was on my radar. Yeah, no, that's um, why that was the main reason I asked because I wasn't sure if you had come across it yet. But I posted it in Slack, so I figured you should yeah. have at least seen it there. Actually, um, question for you guys: Was he right? Because he basically repeated the same thing. Yeah. He waffled. Um, it it didn't. He was, did he waffle? It was an explanation yes. I really hadn't heard explained in that way before. Do you know what? Like, because that doesn't sound like waffling. That was that was an artful dodge of a couple. Yeah, of it was questions. an artful dodge. Absolutely. Because he, well, the guy asked him like he asked him a joke question. Be like, yeah. he's never going to be able to answer this. And then like everyone laughs, ha ha. And then he asks his actual question, but then Trudeau's yeah. like, no, 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 no. It's second question, that's a lot trickier than the first question about what quantum <laughs> computers are. I'm going to answer the first question. Which um, is hilarious. Are The military situation in the Middle East is more complicated than quantum computing? <laughs> I mean, uh, quantum computing, there are definite answers you can give about things. Yep. But, uh, quantum computing, I, so certain. Is that, well, that's, that's actually a clever joke. Rob, I like that. Thank you. Yeah. I worked hard on it. There's no uncertainty in quantum. (laughs) Honestly, as far as the explanation, like I always understood the benefit of quantum computing to be the computing speed, but he made his explanation was more just data storage. Well, that is a benefit. It's a benefit. Sure. But I don't think that's the main, main benefit. Because my understanding was, um, like the quantum bit or qubit is so much smaller than the existing transistors that we have that you can just, if you have that many more qubits, you get faster computers, more storage, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Is that not 
because he was saying, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in quantum state, so you can store more interesting information. And I mean, I guess you could have like a cluster of qubits and an overall like like, you know, like a 60 percent spin up, spin down, because that's what qubits work with is spin so far as yeah. I know, or at least Rob, did you take that course? The the molecular magnets? Yes. Course? I, that was the only graduate class that I quote unquote failed because I got a D in it. I was I gonna, understood much better than that. Yeah, I took the I took the um the undergrad version of that course. Yeah. Yeah. So it was the same everything except I didn't do a presentation, which I'm so happy about. <laughs> yeah. Um on the thing of the the question, he answered it like we have gone on for several minutes now and not really answered. And that's what I feel any explanation of quantum computing that takes 30 seconds is going to end up devolving into something that just goes on for several minutes or an hour. But he, a 30 second version of the answer, that was a pretty good answer. But in general, like quantum computers involve entangling yeah the entanglement aspect together. yeah and that's what i thought it mainly relied on or the main benefit of it was right. the entanglement and that speed of information yeah and so it doesn't it's not really like it can store quote-unquote information but you wouldn't use it at, like it's not a hard drive right it could be a, technically more like ram i guess but the the main benefit of quantum computing right now is the fact that you can solve different kinds of more complex problems with it faster. Like there are certain types of problems that yeah. involve either large numbers of particles or like if you wanted to simulate a brain, it'd be much faster to use a quantum computer than a regular computer. But even then we've only managed to entangle, entangle something like, I think it's like five qubits or something. Like it's a very, very small number. Yeah. I, and that might be out of date. So it might have yeah. gotten a little better by now, but so it'd be like less than 50. We, we had a story recently, in recently within the last year, year and a half of that they were able to entangle, I think, a record number yeah. of particles. I can't remember the number, how recent it was, but it was recent enough that we've talked about it. If I could jump in, what is the benefit of entanglement? Uh, so basically like, like he explained, he explained that part pretty well. The fact that the particles are entangled mean that you can end up getting, rather than just having binary, like off or on, you can have a bunch of states because you end up getting a superposition of states between the particles. And then you can like the, the qubits can be assigned any value between zero and one, and it can occupy multiple values any like any literally any number between zero and one and it can occupy multiple values between zero and one at the same time like you have to have a certain understanding of like quantum theory which in itself is really hard to explain and then you're like yeah and also it can be a computer <laughs> so it it devolves really quickly it's into, it's more into my failure to understand how it applies to I want to say machine theory, but I don't think that's actually a thing like machine language. Yeah, it it would take specific like a, either an operating system or a specific hardware that was written for it to actually be applicable. Right. As far as I know, there quantum computing itself as a field is at a really, really nascent stage. So I'm not even sure they're actually running any actual experiments right. on like entangled bits, but 
Okay. They're, they're at the very, very yeah. fundamental stage. Because, like, sorry, um, my understanding of it based on the molecular magnets course we had was that they are mm-hmm. actually trying to design qubits. Yeah. If not in merely Mirajesu's lab, then in other organometallic or not organic. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Inorganic? Or no, it's definitely organometallic. Yeah. Details. Um, but they're definitely trying to develop qubits. But the big problem there is you need it to have a one or a zero. So spin up, spin down, etc. But you need to ensure that it's not going to just flip on you because quantum things are want to do that. Yeah. That was also probably the best description of tunneling that I've ever heard in that class. Yeah, that's like the first time I really had an intrinsic understanding of what a quantum tunneling effect could look like. You mean merely? Yeah. Okay. I thought, you meant, like, I thought you might have meant Trudeau, and I was like, I did not get that at all. No, no, no. I just okay. I just looked at his hair, and <laughs> I had such an intrinsic understanding of everything after that. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to put... There's a couple of videos that I've seen from... I forget if it's number file or 60 symbols or Veritasium, but there's a couple interviews that one of those guys has done with quantum physicists. And they're talking about quantum computers and they explain it really well. So I'll, okay. I'll find some links on that. Please do. We can all learn up. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time since I watched any of it. And this video did not make me want to go and refigure it out because I all that listening to him explain it for 30 seconds did was make me remember how complicated it was. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I remember I'll, solving I'll some links. Do you remember solving the matrices in Miralee's class? No. And that how like why I did there so were badly. matrices of matrices and I was just Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. Well you, technically any matrix can be a matrix of matrices if you just break it up as such. So Nick, you <laughs> you took <Nice>. um <laughs> No, I want I, I'm still on that topic. You you took his class as an undergrad, which meant that you had to take both parts, right? Like, as a grad student, I only took half of it. Oh, right. I think. And yeah. so I didn't get to the Matrix part because I was gone because I <laughs> did not like that class. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the fact that it got into Matrixes makes me really happy. Matrices makes me really happy because I hated linear algebra and I did not understand matrices. And so well, I probably would have done even worse in the second half. It wasn't as bad as I'm making it sound, but you, like, you made a Matrix of all the possible spin combinations. Yeah. And then I feel like you made a matrix of those matrices or you had a three dimensional Mm -hmm. matrix and you had to figure things out from there. Like it wasn't, it wasn't actual like matrix math. It was just so many spin states, so many spin states. Hmm. Okay. And that's why you have computers do it for you. Yeah. (laughs) No kidding. It's like you do one undergrad undergrad or grad class once so that you understand what it's doing and then you let the computer do it for you because there's no good reason to. That was actually Tom Wu's teaching philosophy. He went, yeah, so now that you understand what the leapfrog method is, you're going to let the computers do it 
because there's no good reason for you to waste your valuable <laughs> mental resources on such a thing when a machine's yeah. going to do it better. It's, well, it's the yeah. same way like in differentiation or integration, it's always numerical methods that are used that computers use. So when you're when you're trying to solve equations explicitly and having like an actual algebraic equation for something, that's good to know what it is. But once you get into the actual engineering and research side, you're looking for numbers. So you're going to use numerical methods, which are just approximations of the actual process. Like you're not, you pump, you put an equation in and it's just going to use numerical methods to solve for X is not trying to find X equals and then have an actual algebraic equation Like you can, but that takes a lot longer and isn't really what you're looking for anyway. Yeah. Hmm. So we'll, uh, we'll come back to that when you guys have learned a bit more and when I have figured out again that I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, Mike, you uh, you have a few pieces of these are not follow up, but small discussions you wanted to have about recent news pieces. Well, there's some follow up. There's two yeah, follow up yeah. pieces and, and one minor piece. Yes. The uh, the small discussion <laughs> section. <laughs> there you go. You wanted a segment. You got it. <laughs> the the screening room, which was our Netflix of new release movies, I guess you could call it. For uh, that, Sean Parker of Netflix and or not Netflix, Napster and Facebook fame, he's yes. releasing this product and or a service, I guess. And I guess there's this thing called CinemaCon, which is like an industry exhibition for like yeah, Comic Cons for movies is how I but heard it described. It sounds like it's for like industry people to go to and talk about stuff. It's not really a place for just fans to go and look at movie stuff. No, I, th- I think it's both. Is it? Like, Comic-Con is the same thing. It's industry, but a bunch of people also... Like, they. that's where they, a bunch of trailers came out. Okay. A bunch of new trailers for upcoming movies came out. Okay. And they screened them there first. Okay. I think it's, like, pretty publicly well-known for people who love movies. Okay. It's it could be. I've never heard Comic-Con. of it before reading about it, so... Yeah. Um. Anyway, there's this event called CinemaCon that they, that they went to, and we're holding some closed-door meetings with industry people, and... Everyone who was there publicly critiqued the service. Mm. And again, it makes sense that they would because this place is catering to theater change and theater chains and the uh, selling and marketing thereof versus uh, this thing called the screening room, which is trying to take the place of quote unquote, at least as far as they see it, take the place of movie theaters. Whereas I'd argue that it's really not. It's just filling a gap. Where yep. people who don't feel like going to a movie theater anyway, they'd have an option. Um, and that's that's kind of what we talked about when we talk, first brought up the screening room service and how I, I think we kind of all agreed that it wasn't going to take the place of people going to movies. It was just filling a gap for people who, who wanted to see a new release movie but weren't going to go see the movie in the theater anyway. Right. Um, so anyway, th- these... The industry people critique the service, but they actually do have backing from people in the industry as well. So it's not like they have no support, but it's just there's still a lot of divisiveness. Debate. Divisive? Yeah. Yeah. In in the industry, but it sounds like the release of this service is inevitable. We're just a matter of time before it comes out. Well, yeah, it's inevitable, but it depends. Like it's kind of like Netflix in that you don't know what you're going to get on it. Yeah. It, they, they'll launch the service, but you might get one or two movies a year at the start. Yeah. And the price point is still fairly high. It's 150 bucks up front for the device yeah. and then 50 yeah. bucks per movie. So it's, uh, 
well, we'll see, but it's there's still f- more developments coming in and I- I'm excited to see where it goes. And at the very, I'd hope that it at least creates a new market or at least a new type of service where you'll have more competition, where hopefully the price point does come down a bit, but yeah, 150 bucks and 50 bucks per movie. Yeah. I could absolutely see like universities being all over that. Like well, a student a student cinema yeah. group or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone just chips in at the beginning of the year like 5 bucks for 100 people and Right. Yeah, you'd be off to the races. That's, that's actually a good point and I don't know legally what types of stipulations will be in there. Yeah. Because basically, whenever you buy a DVD, it says not for public use, not for blah, 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 blah. Like, well, it's usually kind of not for profit. So, so long as like it's not meant to be a profitable group, right. like you're, you should be fine. Right. Or even like, um, Blake's law firm in town for their Christmas thing that they did. Uh, it was offered to all employees and their regular clients. They just rented out an entire movie theater and there was free drinks, free popcorn, free breakfast, like actual hot breakfast sandwiches yeah, and like just swag that they were giving away. They did all that just so that everyone could see The Force Awakens. Huh. And they had like a couple kids movies just in case you had really young kids with you. Right. But like if you I'm sure Blake's has a lecture theater where they could have just. Well, maybe not that many theaters, but yeah, you know, I'm sure a major corporate client who wants to entertain, you know, employees, clients, whatever could just say, oh, hey, hate going to the stupid movie theater. Come see (laughs) us instead. We'll let you see it for free. And it's like 50 bucks for for a movie for a corporation. It's nothing. Right. I actually hadn't thought of that because now that you're, you're mentioning it when I was a kid and you know, I was in church youth group and you'd have, you know, movie nights where you'd have the gym and then just a projector and they'd show, you know, whatever DVD on the, on the thing. Right. And in this case, you could have a similar thing where you're showing new release movies to, you know, Mm -hmm. hundreds of people. And I don't know. And, and when we were doing these events, it was, you know, five bucks and you get, yeah, like food and drinks and whatever. So I, I don't know if, that's something that needs to be considered from a legal aspect because I can't see theater chains getting on board with that. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm imagining people are sitting in their living room, you know, maybe 10 people watching a movie Yeah. versus, you know, yeah. Like you said, a whole amphitheater or a gym filled with people. And like the other thing I know I had one university professor who would be all over this. He actually, he was the prof for music in the movies, which great course wonderful course of course um he had a home theater set up with like a projector and like a nice surround sound setup kind of thing yeah and he said like he just doesn't go to movies anymore because he recognizes all the faults in the projectors there yeah so and he's also a prof so he could definitely do that i'm sure the stuff like that it's i mean interesting yeah Corporate clients are always just, yeah, they make the world go around. Basically they're the reason the Toronto Maple Leafs are the richest franchise (laughs) in, (laughs) you know, in all of the NHL. Cause like when you say they're every game is sold out, like half of the boxes are for corporate clients. Right. Right. 
Yeah, like at that point when you're starting to set up your own theaters for people, like you are actually taking business away from the movie theaters. Yeah, then you're just a theater chain yourself. Right. <laughs> and and I'd almost not that I'm not on board with that as a consumer, but mm. I can from the industry perspective, I can see how they might be against that if they've thought of that, which I'm I'm sure they have. Oh like, yeah. If I'm sure they pay people a lot of money to think <laughs> of such things. <laughs> huh. <laughs> That's actually interesting. I haven't I hadn't thought of that before, but it's it'll be interesting to see where that goes and and if they'll have stipulations in their you know agreements when you buy this box it's like will not be used for audiences of more than x number will not be used for wooing clients yeah (laughs) yeah but where would you draw the line that's that's another interesting question at the word wooing (laughs) like definitely i don't even think it's a matter of making money off of it but you almost have to say this this box will not be used for audiences of more than x number of people right right that'll be easily enforced well that's the thing it's like but they have to put it in there but yeah who's gonna actually enforce that right yeah uh another piece of follow-up where the fbi had i guess come out and said that they've tipped their hand a bit to how they got into the phone Mm -hmm. and they brought it to a group of hackers and I'm assuming these are actual hackers, not just hackers in the good with computer senses. People I tend think to use the word. We're saying like white hat hackers. I I, ha- I heard it described as gray hat hackers. Yeah, as in like they will sometimes do for profit, but mostly Ooh. they're trying to help. <laughs> like mercenaries. Yeah, kind of. So what, on online. Yeah, and and the yeah. the I guess the whole big thing in this is that these hackers discovered and or had discovered before and brought it to the FBI, I guess. That's the way it reads anyway. That there was a software flaw in the 5C software that was running this operating system. And that's how they were able to exploit that and and get into the phone. But so far, the FBI hasn't brought this flaw to Apple's attention in a sense of, if this is the flaw, here's how to fix it. Right. And I think their argument would be, well, it's only a flaw with this phone running this operating system. That's like only a couple million. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. This story just gets weirder because it's a very like two sided thing. And I, I don't know what side I'm on anymore. I think <laughs> it makes perfect sense given, well, given my confirmation bias. And what I already thought, it totally fits in. Like, the, oh, what was it? The All Writs Act that they tried to invoke? Yeah, yeah. To get Apple itself to crack their phone? Like, as soon as there was a big public uproar and it seemed like they weren't going to be able to get it, they just got someone else to do it. They just went, no. Fine, I guess our attempt at setting a legal precedent isn't going to work. Right. Let's just crack it like we could the whole time. Right. Yeah. But then there, I don't know, I guess you could say that the AFBI might have procured a group of hackers to do it, but it almost sounds like these hackers made a point to discover it on their own and then brought it to the AFBI's attention. Well, they probably already had it. These kind of exploits, especially, I think this one they were saying was a zero-day exploit, like... A which it a zero day oh, okay. exploit, which is like it, it's a. I guess for listeners who might like not a, know what that means, it's true that they might not know. So it's like it, my understanding, and maybe my understanding is not exactly right because on a technical level, like I'm not a hacker, but it's it's an existing flaw that 
can't really like it from the from the day it the software comes out it's in there and it's the kind of thing that you can't patch so it's like that nick do you have a better understanding of zero day i thought zero day was something completely different so yeah I'm gonna me look too it up so now. okay i thought, I thought it, it was like i probably thought the same thing you did nick Okay, okay, so there's a zero-day vulnerability refers to a hole in software that is unknown to the vendor. This security hole is then exploited by hackers before the vendor becomes aware and hurries to fix it. This exploit is called a zero-day attack. So that's more what I thought it was in that like in days for which this vulnerability has been known, they knew about it on the zeroth day. Oh, okay. So yeah, I thought it meant they exploited something in the software where if you modified something in like the dates, like you know how there's like the Linux, like the Epic, there there's bugs in like the Epic date and all that kind of stuff, or kind of like Y2K type bugs where the software hasn't been designed to handle certain types of dates, and you can like exploit stuff that way. Never mind. Okay, my understanding of the date thing was like if you go back before linux day zero which was like 1972 or someday yeah. in 1972 right that it was like often there were little kind of bugs in code yeah. that dealt with dates before that right like uh i think apple had one even either late last year or early this year that was just a weird bug that bricked your phone right temporarily if you set the date to before right. the linux zero day yeah that's what i thought you were but, talking about oh okay so wikipedia mm-hmm it is known as a zero day exploit because, or it is known as a zero day because once the flaw becomes known, the software's author has zero days in which to plan and advise any mitigation against its exploitation bracket. For example, by advising workarounds or by having issuing patches bracket. Okay. That makes sense. So in, in theory, we don't actually know if these things are zero day vulnerabilities. We just assume they are because well, no software vendor is going to say, yeah, we knew about this for months. Unless you're the NSA or companies working with the NSA anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Because in theory, what, what white hat hackers do is they discover flaw. Like anyone who's working for like the Chrome bug bounties, there are people who'd like professionally just find bugs in, in software that has bounties, but they typically disclose things to the company for 30 days or 60 days or something. And then at the end of that period, they go, okay, we're releasing this to the public now because you had adequate time to prepare for this and people need to secure themselves if you're not going to do it. Right. But that, that, that's the only thing that wouldn't be a zero day. Otherwise, the company might know. They might know there's a flaw and they're getting to it, but it's But only it wouldn't a, be zero day if they, if they knew about it. Right, but they would never say, oh yeah, we knew about this for a really long time unless they were saying, oh, we knew about it and we were fixing it. So you, you could have a thing like Adobe presumably has flaws that people know about but they don't become zero day exploits until someone tries to exploit them and then they would be patched and that's probably why adobe needs to be like flash needs to be patched so often it's because Mm. it's fundamentally pretty insecure but you wouldn't it's not a zero day exploit until somebody actually it's not an exploit unless it's an exploit <laughs> Unless until somebody exploits it, whether yeah. like it is a bug, but it's an exploit when somebody takes advantage of it. Let's join the tautology club. 
I don't think that was a tautological statement, but the I'm first happy to rule of that. the tautology club is the first rule of the tautology club. <laughs> Let's all sign up and join for the tautology club. <laughs> Mike, you had one more piece of news here before we move on to the actual show. This is the minor news. What was? What did you call it? Random news corner minor news segment. Minor news segment. The uh, I actually saw this as a. Uh, expectation, I guess, within various tech bloggers and stuff, that with mm-hmm. iOS and Watch OS, it's natural for there to be a Mac OS because right now it's known as OS X, which I always thought was like OS 10. OS 10. But it's they've released it's multiple versions of OS 10 that have been yeah, it, actually quite different that they probably should be on 11 by now, but they right, haven't. It's like, so this is similar to what Windows is going to have to do now that right. they've kind of decided to stick with Windows 10. Right. Is you're going to have Windows 10.1. Or Windows 10 something. like. Yeah, and then you're going to break, it's going to break out like that. So that's what happened is they called it OS, like it's written OS X, but it's OS 10. Like they used to have OS 9 before it. And then there was a whole generation inside of OS 10 where they had 10.1, 10. Point, another at 10.10, and I think 10.11 is... They're either on 10.11 now or it's coming. Like, there people are just like, this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> why, why are you doing this? So, yeah. So there's, there's hints that it's going to become Mac OS because there's documentation from Apple that refer to the Mac operating system as Mac OS. Mm. So it's, it's really not giant news, but it's more like it's about time that they've wrapped it all into like, it's it's annoying because whenever i look up if i have a problem with my mac i'll look up oh osx you know installing whatever on osx and it's like osx whatever it's like leopard and mavericks mm-hmm. and yosemite and whatever it's like oh it's like this doesn't make things easy but you can just look it up on the no, version that i you're know running. but <laughs> most people aren't like oh yeah i'm running leopard Some, i think most people well, the layperson would only know that they're running like <laughs> mavericks or yosemite or whatever it is but it's not even i don't know that's that's how the i mean that's how a lot of uh a lot of linux forums work yeah i'm running ubuntu zesty zebra (laughs) it actually so that's probably what they're gonna do for zed (laughs) yeah but okay so that's the thing apple's not following like an alphabetical progression they're just naming no they're following landmarks yeah but it's in California in no specific cats. like you know what I mean though right you can't They're just picking names it's code names right arbitrary. but with Android at least it's like okay I'm on the latest operating system so I know I'm on M or N right. or whatever with you can't do that with OS X no OS 10 it it will bother people if you say OS X even though it's written that way I don't care <laughs> I agree. Tom Wu used fine. to refer to it as OS X so <laughs> I don't think you're going to get worse than that. No, probably not. The The interesting thing is that um, with this naming thing, the the hope, I think, for some people is that they're going to unify. I mean, for a long time, the talk has been they're going to unify iOS and now potentially macOS. And in theory, the name, the numbering is coming close to being the same. We're on iOS 9 and we're still on we're on OS, oh, iOS 10 or sorry iOS 9 and OS 10.11 so it's like they the numbers are slowly catching up because iOS tends to progress faster but 
at a certain point, you will get a Windows 10 like moment where they can say, here's a big round number. And now we're both of these versions, our mobile and desktop operating systems are on the same number. And then they'll do like a big incremental thing where Mac OS or OS 10 shifts to Mac OS because it, it is Mac OS 10. Like it already is Mac OS. They're just styling it slightly differently in the same style as iOS and watch OS and TV OS are. That's, that's oh, yeah, marketing. All right. Yeah. It, it it's completely meaningless, but that's how people refer to things. Although it it would be totally cool to have just one operating system across all platforms, and then you could call it something like Unity. Yeah, or or and Windows Ten, or or Unix or something. <laughs> but the so did like did we all get the joke there about the yes. about Unity? Okay, no, yeah. I was making a Windows Ten joke, but oh, uh, the Ubuntu's. Uh, what is it? It's the desktop environment. It's called Unity yeah. because it's the same on tablets and desktops and phones, right. et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Well, that's ideally yeah. what Windows is trying to do with Windows 10, though. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ubuntu Linux leads the way. It's true. <laughs> well, yeah. So all of the all of Mac, all the Mac platforms run on some variant of Unix. Like it's it's not really that big of a deal. Like these things are only skinned differently. Fundamentally, they all run pretty much the same way. They just kind of take different, they take advantage or I guess taking disadvantage is a weird way to phrase it, but based on the limitations of the platform, they, they kind of cut things back as necessary. Yeah. My smart TV runs on Linux. There you go. Yeah. The, um, at least one executive has publicly used the name Mac OS as early as about a year ago. So I think internally that's already the naming system and it's <laughs> a matter of time before it actually becomes something they announce. Right. So the fact that it's in code is not as big a thing because yeah. Anyways, uh, it's probably happening. It's almost certainly happening. It's just a matter of when they actually yeah. publicly do it. Our sponsor this week is Warby Parker, an online glasses retailer that makes it fast and easy to find the right pair of glasses for you. Warby Parker believes glasses shouldn't cost as much as an iPhone, and their prescription glasses start at just $95, including lenses. All glasses include anti-reflective and anti-glare coating, and come with a hard case and cleaning cloth, all at no additional cost. They also offer digital freeform progressive lenses, which start at only $295. Warby Parker makes buying glasses online easy and risk-free. And for every pair of glasses sold, they'll also distribute a pair of glasses to someone in need. With Warby Parker's Home Try-On program, you can order five pairs of glasses to be shipped directly to you for free. You can try all the frames on, get a feel for them, and get feedback from others. Up to five pairs for five days to try those on. Once you decide which frames you want to keep, send them all back to Warby Parker. Choose your favorite pairs, they'll add your prescription, and send them right back to you can head to warbyparkertrial.com slash future to order your free home try-on today. Warby Parker makes your experience completely risk-free and there's free shipping all around. Warby Parker makes buying glasses online easy, risk-free, and most of all, enjoyable. Again, that's warbyparkertrial.com slash future to begin your free home try-on experience today. Thanks so much for sponsoring Future Chat. Rob, speaking of operating systems, you hmm. uh, you've been... Seem to have had experience with uh, another operating system that's in beta right now. You want to? Why don't you tell us about that? Android N is the the evolution, basically, of 
Android. And from what I've understood, and again, I have not run it on any phone because I don't have a Nexus phone and they're the ones that are, that are having access to this super early before any kind of, um, like normally this would be released at Google IO, but they released it like early March. Was it even February? Like it was super early. And, uh, from what I understand, some of the biggest things are even on phones, it enables things like split screen mode. Which, by the way, is already possible on many Android handsets. And many big ones. Yeah. Not not really any. What do you mean not uh, any? I didn't say any, I said many. Sorry, not many. Like when you say not many, you mean I mean like two, three maybe? Well, models. Like it's not wise, a common thing. But a lot of people have them. I guess but sure fine continue but, so mike maybe this is a good thing because it's a good thing that you have a phone as far as i understand that yeah. does it yeah um it doesn't seem like having split screen from the screenshots i've seen of android and in general yeah. it doesn't seem like running more than one app is particularly useful just because of the tiny amount of space you have to use it yeah the only times where i've wanted to use it and i use wanted because on my phone anyway, it's kind of clumsy to try to initiate just the way the gestures work. Like it's not a button that you press to just launch it. Like you can do that, but anyway, that's its own thing. But mm-hmm. the only time I found it useful is when you're trying to say, enter something into one app that you're trying to copy from another, but you're not able to like copy paste text or you're, you're okay. just, you're trying to just, or you're trying to like explain something to someone in one app and you're trying to look at a picture of something. I don't know. It's, it's when you're trying to, it's the same idea if you have two monitors at your computer and you can kind of refer to one while working on the other. Right. But yeah, you're right. There isn't a lot of real estate to use with between the two apps. Mm. Um, and it's not like I've ever wanted to like have a video running in the background while I'm like on Facebook or something. Not on your phone. Not on my phone. On a tablet, it seems like it's more useful, but on a phone, it's just not enough. You could have it running in the background, literally not visible, and just be listening to it. Yeah. But to have it taking up half the screen seems odd. Yeah. Yeah. No. You, Especially when you get a keyboard know. involved. A keyboard. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, because the keyboard already takes up half the screen. Yeah. Much, yeah. Especially in landscape, it takes up like sixty or seventy yeah. percent of the screen. Yeah. I can't even use my phone in landscape with the keyboard. Is horrible (laughs) yeah so yeah i'm intrigued the fact that they introduced android n so early before it supposedly like maybe they're going to be releasing it at google io because it seems super early if they're releasing a developer preview like four months after the last version (laughs) came out for the first time so unless they're speeding this up it seems like an odd thing to do it would obviously be for the developers because Right now, most people aren't even on Marshmallow, right? And they're already releasing N. But if yeah. it means that once N is released, th- like apps for it will work properly, so it's not like developers are trying to fix bugs on, you know, uh, Lollipop still while yeah. Marshmallow is being rolled out, and they have to fix bugs for that too. So it's almost like they're right. trying to give developers a lot more time to get their apps working. By the yeah. way, what is N going to be called? Like Nougat? I think Nutella yeah. is in the lead right Nutella now. Nutella would be the corporate tie-in. Yeah. Nougat, I've heard thrown around a lot. 
I'd say yeah, like they're, they're Nanaimo, obviously, ones. but it's not obvious because Canada. Mm. Sounds delicious. Oh, it's diabetes in a in a bar. It's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, all of these things, all these candies really are. No, like Nanaimo is just that's a special little uh just all sugar example there. It's like oh. eating a can of frosting. <laughs> no, it's it's richer than frosting though. <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> oh, if you are not Canadian, please Google a recipe for Nanaimo bars. Make them and then thank us. Mm. I don't they, think they'll they're be very able to delicious, s- but yeah, entirely rich sugar and as all some kind of cream. Great yeah. desserts are. Yeah. I don't think they'll be able to spell Nanaimo if they're not Canadian. That's spelled the way it sounds. Yeah. Is it though? Nanaimo? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, did you have any thoughts on Android N? I mean, presumably you're not going to be getting it. Did right. you did you actually end up getting the marshmallow yet? Not yet. It's okay. they've started I think they've released Samsung's released it into the wild. I guess presumably right. onto the carriers to release to the handset because because not Nexus, Samsung is the one that pushes it to the phone. It goes to the right. carrier. But y- so it's Nexus. just a matter of time before the carriers push it to the phones. Yeah. But Nick, d- yeah. did you end up getting a new phone? I feel like we talked about this, but I don't actually remember what phone. Oh, you had. I don't think I've been on the podcast since I got a new phone. No. I no. have a Nexus 5. So do you you have Marshmallow then? I think so. <laughs> It's true. It's it's not a very big change no. between the. I had like once I turned the phone on, I had exactly one billion and five updates to go through. <laughs> like I was okay. just sitting clicking through updates for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so when you install an app, so long. when you install an app, are you able to select which permissions to give it? Um, when you install an app. You are asked to grant permissions as the app needs them. Yeah. Okay, so that is Marshmallow. Or the other... And you can just say, like, no, we're not going to do that. Right. Then I think you might be able to edit it later, but I haven't fooled around with it that much yet. Yeah, my understanding is you can deny it, and then if it needs to use it, it will tell you, hey, this needs the microphone. Are you okay with us using it? And I think you can still say no, and then it just won't work that function yeah. that you're trying to do yeah but i i want that that's the thing i'm most excited for because there's some of these apps that's like why do you need that like i'm i'd rather be able to use the app and i trust the app to not do anything bad but i'd rather just say no off the bat and then just have it bug me about granting permissions as needed right i mean yeah that is a default is a good practice that's what ios has done for quite a while when it needs something it'll ask you for it yeah and at that point you say go for it yeah so um mike you have a story in here which i'm hesitant to talk about because um though it is canadian content it seems pretty irrelevant to 99 percent of people um blackberry well we are the one percent after all it's true blackberry has released their at least tentatively spoken about plans for the next year ish um did you want to talk about 
what they're planning on doing and why. Which, what are you talking about? Uh oh. I, Blackberry I plans to what? Wait, which, Mike. Wait, 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 it sounds like Blackberry about? plans to release two mid-range Android smartphones in 2016. Why don't you tell us about that? Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, thanks, Nick. Yeah. Um, no so, worries. <laughs> yeah, Blackberry has uh, apparently not done market research prior to recently because they they felt it was a good idea to release like a $900 Canadian smartphone. Um, yes. And. Uh, people are not as willing to spend that much money on a phone, especially a BlackBerry phone that is running. Well, it's running Android, I guess, for that matter. But it's just they were targeting a specific clientele. But then they apparently were talking to people after the fact and said, I want to buy your phone, but that's too much money for me. Like you'd think you'd do that discussion prior to designing and marketing and selling a phone. But you'd think I guess better late than ever. Unless they're corporate clients? They are corporate clients. That's the whole point. Oh. It said a lot of our enterprise customers have said to us, I want to buy your phone, but $700 is a little too steep for me. I'm more interested in a $400 device. (laughs) These are enterprise. $400 devices anymore? No, not really. There's a couple, but. Yeah. Not not high-end ones, like not flagship phones. Right. So what they're complaining about is the fact that smartphone prices have risen, not the fact that BlackBerry put out a phone that's the same or well, cheaper at okay, so phones. If I'm buying if I'm buying an Android phone, there's a lot of mid range options mm-hmm. for someone who doesn't want to spend seven hundred dollars on a phone. Uh, yes, right, I agree that the high end phones are seven hundred dollars. That's not an absurd price. They're either old phones, like the old generations, or like the Moto E or G, whatever the there's one cheap Android phone from Motorola, but the rest are really either old hardware or like $700 to start, which means in Canada, they're about well, 900 to start. Samsung has a lot of mid-range phones. They're just not marketed. If you wanted to buy them, and you buy them through a carrier, but they are what there. What makes them mid-range? Maybe not even low-range. I wouldn't even call them What mid-range. makes them low-range? Just they're processor their ram the storage is older no just not as good like you'd have like a 1.2 gigahertz processor instead of a 2.4 1.9 or whatever like and you know with two gigs of ram instead of four or whatever it's right so i get yeah it's a discussion about whether worse hardware is is considered old even if it's technically manufactured recently because oh. it seems to me like well, if I, if someone made a desktop processor that had one core and it was like, I don't know, 1.6 gigahertz, I would say, I wouldn't say, wow, that's a new mid-range <laughs> processor. I would say that's an old processor that is new. <laughs> so it, it's that discussion. Like, okay. you either have to get worse, worse than the top of the line hardware or you have to pay significantly more than it seemed like you used to have to pay right. have to pay because of subsidy right. changes yeah well and like you were saying it or buy an, a year old phone which for most people yeah. is probably okay it's probably okay but i'm okay corporate, with that a corporate client unless they're specifically looking to cut costs isn't going to look for older hardware but it, the th- the th- difference is a corporate client is trying to find a phone that a their their employees will be okay using 
that they're not going to want to throw it off a bridge. But also, it's literally only there for email and phone calls as far as the the corporation is concerned. That's the only reason that they want their employees to have phones. That's disappointing because in theory, that would mean you could get a flip phone and it'd be just fine. You probably could. Well, except for like emails. I had email on my flip phone. Yeah, that's different, Rob. I had email on my phone too. Yeah, because it took like five minutes to load an email on those phones. Oh, really? Mine was... Mine was, other than being a terrible experience, was fast. Like, it was WAP email, I think. <laughs> it was just, I don't like, know. if you remember, like, the old, like, flip yeah. color screen phones, they could get email. It just okay, looked but and was terrible. Even if you're talking about that, that's a phone that a cut that an employee would not be happy with. So they're trying to find that balance. Uh, yeah, that's true. Right? I, although, if you're going down the happiness route, may, people may not realize it, but they'd be very unhappy, like... If you had to use this phone for work, you would use it for work. You wouldn't be happy with it. You're just it's just your work phone. That's how I'm using my phone right now. I don't exactly. need an iPhone 5S. I I had my 5 5S 3 years ago. Yeah. And it was, you know, within a year of being released, even yeah. 6 months, and I was all I used it for was for email and phone calls and texts because yeah. it was a work phone. If you had a brand new phone, you'd use it for more than that, but because they gave you an older phone, that's all you're right. using it for. When and Companies don't want their employees using their phone really for anything other than work stuff in an yeah, ideal world. Which is a whole other discussion because that isn't a very great plan right. in my opinion. But that's another discussion. Yeah. <sighs> so anyway, getting to the actual story, BlackBerry discovered this and they are saying, yeah, we're planning to release two mid-range smartphones in 2016. So... Yeah. I guess more along the lines of a Nexus 5X price point, even lower. Because if they're talking $400, then yeah, you're, you're talking even lower than the 5X. Right. I guess if you're using old in the old technology, then it's probably a Nexus 5 level type phone. Right. If, if BlackBerry are being honest with themselves, and I'm not sure that they are, they're either going to release a mid-range Android phone that nobody is happy with because other mid-range phones are better, or they're going to release a phone that they're calling mid-range but still has a pretty high price tag. Because you can't, you can't just come into the market with a kind of middling device and expect to get market share. You have to start off high. Maybe you lose some money along the way, but you. I don't think a company like BlackBerry that that needs that cash right now because they're had a lot of bad press recently. Um, you you have to start high or have something new to offer. If you just put out a phone that, I mean, I guess they have the the sep- differentiator that they have a keyboard like well, a hardware keyboard. Yeah, and and one of the, the phones they said one of the phones will have the keyboard, one won't. Yeah, exactly. But if that's your only differentiator, I'm not sure that that's going to woo anybody it, unless it's very cheap. But then it's going to be a terrible phone. It's not the know. only differentiator, though, because they have what? the security aspect that they're trying to sell. And that's okay. and that's where they have their, you know, BlackBerry evangelists going around convincing companies that that's something worth valuing, which right. may or may not be actually true. I mean, as far as I know, like the 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 whole part of blackberry being secure is that you can set up like blackberry has set up a secure like encryption key right and so there's only i think a couple people in the world that that hold that key and i think like blackberry probably has it in a vault somewhere and maybe the rcmp have a copy or something like that 
I think that came out this week. Okay. Do you, do you guys not hear I, that story? I, no, I haven't heard of this. Okay. I did not hear that story. Uh, it turns either. out since 2010 or 2011, the RCMP has had a copy of the encryption key on for at least BBM. Okay. And so any BlackBerry message that isn't encrypted separately by an organization um, has just been publicly accessible by the RCMP for whatever. Like, so on the... In the in the period, the two month or so period, where Apple has been saying no, we're standing up for encryption, we're not building a backdoor. The BlackBerry has for years just been like, here RCMP, <laughs> here's the key to every consumer phone, like BlackBerry phone. You can just have carte blanche access to messages. Um, yeah, and so this whole thing about BlackBerry releasing Android phones and them being the most secure thing, it's like yes, they're secure, but. There's a master key out there. And if the RCMP have it, who knows who else might also have it. Mm -hmm. We didn't hear about it. And so presumably there's no kind of black market for, for these codes, but they're, they're out there and we've seen things like that get out before. Did we all watch the new CGP gray videos? Yes. Mm -hmm. About encryption. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. I just wanted to check. About how encryption yeah. is actually important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually felt like maybe this is just because I have a bunch of knowledge on this, but I, so that to me felt like the most, I don't know if I want to use the word most, maybe the least groundbreaking CGP gray video. It was like more a video that he felt like he had to make. Well, it's kind of like his net neutrality video. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, it is. I must illustrate to the people why this is important. Mm -hmm. And I also like that he, um, I like that he pointed out specifically that the slippery slope fallacy doesn't apply to this legal argument because right. the law is based on precedence. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a good video. I just felt like I didn't, I didn't pay as much attention as I usually do to his videos because from the beginning, I was like, I already know all this, but it's, this video, obviously the audience isn't necessarily yeah. people who already know a lot about encryption. It's people that have no idea what the whole FBI Apple situation is. Yeah. Or they're, or they're familiar with it, but they've only heard one or secondhand one, ha one side of the story or secondhand yeah. stories. Yeah. So along with BlackBerry, I'm, I've never owned a BlackBerry phone. I've used a couple of them briefly enough to know that I detest them. Like I don't, BlackBerry or hardware keyboards, if you want one are fine, but I could never actually use one. As soon as I stopped having to use T9, I was so happy. I've considered like, I've wanted to go back to T9 just to see if I could pick it up again because I was really. I was thinking about T9 earlier this episode, going, "Huh, <laughs> that was a weird time in you know mobile <laughs> it history." Really was, yeah. but you, you, I got used to it enough where even like flipping between the different words, I knew which one. I had like how many times I had to flip the word to get the word I wanted, right. depending on which word I wanted. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like it's like I don't want cabin i want this word and i just flip it twice because i know that yeah. it the first word is wrong but yeah. anyway no uh i actually i don't know i i would have gone for hardware keyboards up until swipe started to be a thing on android phones yeah yeah like once i got swipe i was like well i don't ever want 
a physical keyboard again because swipe is just so much faster. Yeah. Mm. It's also why swipe I write in feels cursive. Better. Yeah. See, and Maria doesn't use swipe. And like when, and whenever she sees me using it, she's like, I have no idea how you're able to type like that. It's, it's there was beautiful. I forget who it was recently, but I started swiping on my keyboard and they were like, they all, oh, it was, uh, Kaya's family from the Southwest of Calgary. Yeah. Mm. They were like, how are you, what are you doing? Like, oh, <laughs> swipe. It's, you swipe between letters and it figures out what you're trying to say. They're just like, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's the power of Linux, miss. <laughs> what um do you guys both use the Google keyboard? Yes, we both yeah, like use the, the Google. Yeah. The Google keyboard, the the swiping one. Yeah. Yes. I guess the main the only Google keyboard. Yeah. Okay. I have been using for a couple of years now SwiftKey. Uh which is also an like it's a cross-platform yeah. app that syncs all your stuff between things. And on Android, SwiftKey is weirdly so much worse than the Google keyboard. Yeah. Uh, the they actually have three channels. They have the the actual version. They have a beta version, and they also have a like I think it's called the neural network beta. So where it's kind of, it's more like an alpha project. And recently, the SwiftKey regular version is terrible. Like it, it, it's very glitchy, even on relatively new hardware. Yeah. But the beta version is pretty smooth. And so I've been using the beta one and it's comparable to the Google keyboard. Whereas on my phone, on my iPhone, I use the Swift key and it's incredibly smooth. Like I use it, it's so much faster than oh, any really? other keyboard oh. that I've tried. I've- but, uh, yeah, I've tried SwiftKey on both Android and iOS, and I couldn't stand it. Like, I don't know what why. about it. I think part of it was just not being familiar. Like, I was just used to the Google one, and I like the okay. look and the feel of that. And I think just I found I think the prediction was annoying. Like, the way that it it suggested words wasn't what I liked. If that makes sense. Okay. I am having a bit of a problem because I feel like this phone is slightly wider than my old one. Yeah. And my <laughs> finger patterns are still tuned yeah. <laughs> to the slightly narrower phone. Okay. And I'm, there's a learning curve. Yeah. Well, right. I'm finding with my note, I have to like hold it like this. Oops, where am I? And then like actually like use like a hand and go like this. I can't just use my, my oh, thumb yeah. because it's too big. Right. So, yeah, I'm in conclusion on the BlackBerry thing. I'm unhappy with BlackBerry, but I've never been happy with them. So <laughs> nothing has changed. Yeah. If they released like a $400 device that had comparable hardware to what you'd expect from a phone from that year, you know, like their, their own version of Nexus 4 when the Nexus 4 was released. Like the Nexus 4 was a super cheap phone relative to what it offered. Yeah. Right? It was. I was so pleased with it. Yeah. So if they release that similar type phone, which I my hopes aren't high for, but if that is what they do, then I, I'd buy that phone. Not that I'd, I'd... If I were in the market for a phone, I'd buy it. Yeah. And I'd be interested to try it. Just Granted, it's still running Android, so it's not like it'd be entirely different from 
what I already have. Sure. But. Uh, Nick, let's change directions completely and talk about your, uh, I guess, story about Vancouver. A building in Vancouver specifically. Yeah. I would say this would be a small, dis- a small discussion section story. <laughs> but, I mean, it doesn't really fit in follow-up, so it wasn't there. Sure. Um, doesn't stop no, me. No, it's a... <laughs> I think it's a condo building, but it's LEED Platinum Certified. And it already meets the city's 2020 carbon neutral and 2050 100% renewable energy goals. And... Okay. Like they're saying for a unit, uh, how big is it? It's a seven seventy-seven unit, six-story building, but it's so efficient that your heating bill could be sixty dollars or less per year. Wow! Yeah, and, and I just read like this, just your clickbaity headline. Yeah, it says sixty dollars for heating. I assume that was per month. Which, which would be fine in like, it's fine, but it's a little on the high end for depending on the size of the place. Well, for yeah, a condo, yeah. Yeah. 60 bucks a year. Like that's, it's pretty solid. Cause like in Ottawa, we were spending, it was electric heating. So it was like a couple hundred a year or yeah. each utility bill was a few hundred, I think. Yeah. Utility or heating? Like electricity, I mean. Electricity. Because right. the heating was those stupid electric things next to a window. Yeah. Right. Which this unit also has, but electricity and water is included, so. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's fine, I guess. So can you tell us a bit more about what this building... It's a planned building or is it actually... Does it exist already? It's being built as far as i know okay so i skimmed this earlier uh extra insulation air barriers independent ventilation and heating systems in each unit energy efficient windows and unique framing that allows it to recapture 50 percent of heat and light back into energy Hmm. so i'm assuming they must be like coated windows like coated with a solar thing one of those organic solar sheets i want to say panel but it's Mm -hmm. not a panel the thing to keep in mind with all this too is i in in essence you're just paying for the heating up front in like an investment sense and then it pays for itself with the heating savings yeah all these extra things the extra cost to meet those green standards is about $8 a square foot or about as much as it would cost to install a traditional building-wide hot water heating system. Right. right. Which I didn't yeah. really understand because I thought they'd have to do that anyway. It almost sounds like they're doing that instead of that, but... Details. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I find yeah. this really interesting because from what you're describing, it doesn't really sound like there's a whole lot that's brand new here. It just sounds like improving existing ideas to the point that like to, to the extreme where it's $60 a year. I I think seem revolutionary. The difference I think is a developer would rather build a standard system that doesn't use these extra energy capture things and just pass that cost onto the people renting and say, well, this is your heating bill. Mm -hmm. Whereas these guys are investing in having those savings 
built into the building and then they're still passing those savings on to the tenants. Right. I guess. Well, I mean, the rent is 1200 a month for a studio and 18 for a two bedroom because lol, Vancouver. <laughs> um, I mean, that's comparable to other buildings, but the money you save on utilities and things like that ends up making it more affordable. Yeah. Right. And isn't sustainability nice? Isn't this something we'd like to see? It is. I'm, uh, I'm really curious to see other cities implement these kinds of targets. Cause as far as I know, this is not something that every city has like a pl- plans for 2020 and plans for 2050. As 2050 know, and 20, they, or I thought it was 2050 and 2100, but oh, it was 20, no, 2020 and 2050. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Um, I'm very intrigued because if they, if cities do like other cities in Canada do have these targets, I have not like, they've not been well advertised because I haven't heard anything about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the biggest difference is I, that's that fantastic. Like these buildings are more expensive to put up and yeah, yeah. it generates, but it generates jobs like with these green specialist technologies. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't think it's that big a deal that construction costs go up a little bit because no. it means you're employing more people and, you know, lots of interesting stuff is happening. Yeah. I would be really curious to live in a place like this. I'm not sure you'd get the same, like, obviously they did some kind of analysis if this building doesn't exist. They did some kind of analysis to figure out that it's going to be $60 a year. And Vancouver is a place that doesn't really get too cold in the winter. Right. And that's when you'd really need right. heating costs. So I would be curious to see what, a, what similar improvements to a house in Ottawa or in a, a colder place in the winter would, would end up costing because i right. feel like it'd be more but yeah improvements I, would be interesting i did think about that because i mean i've even seen occasionally i'll look up like youtube stuff for building greenhouses in canada yeah. and then one's like a greenhouse in the winter in canada but then it was on like <laughs> victoria island and I was like, <laughs> that doesn't count like they basically strung some christmas lights up in their uh in their greenhouse and the added heat kept it above freezing but it was only like a couple degrees below right right so i was like thanks for coming out guys but like (laughs) you don't you don't understand cold (laughs) right it's like if there's a day below zero in vancouver the rest of the country goes on a bane rant like you merely adopted the cold. I was born in it, molded by it. By the time I experienced warmth, I was already a man. Or, you know. <laughs> the thing that gives me hope with this project is the fact that it's going to take these types of efforts to cause real change as far as carbon emissions and that kind of thing versus, you know, people buying a Tesla or, mm. um, you know, putting solar panels on their house. It's, it's the big, large scale, you know, developments that are, you know, designed right off the bat to be, you know, lower carbon emissions. Yeah. Um, 
or just actual existing vehicle manufacturers making their vehicles less carbon intense. But right. not, not that I'm against, you know, individual efforts. Like it's fine from a moral standpoint, but from an actual effectiveness, it's not really doing a ton. It'd be really nice if like this kind of thing started to happen. Yeah. And then it, mm. it, be, it quickly becomes such a good deal for the consumer that consumers start demanding it. Right. I think anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Well, in that case, I will thank everyone for listening to this week's Future Chat. You can head to unwindmedia.com slash future chat to learn more about the show and listen to past episodes. And we'll be back next week to talk about more science and tech. See you guys next time. Ciao. Toodaloo. Guys, I have some follow-up news. Real-time follow-up? Really follow-up. It's not follow-up. It's, it's post-show news. Post-show news. I, I finally got a new thing. We already knew that. I got a new iPad. Is that another new iPad or the same one? I got it Friday. I wanted to get it for a long time, but I got it on Friday. But I already, we already knew this. When did you know it from? I didn't got know it. Friday. You sent me a picture of Julia holding an iPad and saying... Yeah, I got her one for her birthday. Right, so that's why I said, is this another new one? Yeah, this one's mine. Oh, you didn't say that. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you didn't ask. <laughs> I did. I said, is this another new one? And you just ignored my question. Oh, I'm, no, I meant for me, this is the only new one. That's exciting. Six Semper Tyrannus, Rob. But, uh, so I don't know, I, I had some, I've had some thoughts I, on the new iPad because my old one was bought in 2011, late 2011, I think. I don't know if you guys care, but I am now coming on board with what everyone else has been saying for a couple months or a few months that uh, they have all these fancy new multitasking features on the iPad and I'm at the point now where I'm just really frustrated that there are certain apps that don't have it. Um, specifically, we use Google Docs, Google Sheets specifically for this show. And Google Sheets doesn't support any of the multitasking things. So if I wanted to have Google Sheets open with, like, say, the Internet to be able to be all live on the show, keep up with what's going on mm -hmm. and kind of click on to things and, and look for more detail. I just can't. I have to continue with the one task at a time kind of thing that I had before, but the amount, like the amount that the speed has improved is ridiculous. Can you not just like it is. switch windows? You no, you can. And, but then I'm just like, this is no better than right. Um, like the, the dream of the future is alive for some apps, but it's, it's glaringly obvious when something is broken Yeah, because ah. it's not updated yet. I believe the galaxy tab products have the split screen and multitask. i believe that yeah and that one again i'm going off of my understanding of it is those aren't dependent on the app itself the operating system right. takes care of the scaling and yeah the arrangement all that kind of stuff yeah so for android they have had i'll call it auto layout because that's the name that i'm familiar with on ios but it might be called something different on android where you build an app to an arbitrary screen size because there are so many different screen sizes. But for the longest time, Apple only had one size of thing and then uh, like one size of iPad, one size of phone. And then 
they added a second size of phone, but it was only like 72 or 100 pixels taller. And so yeah. you didn't have to really change dimensions too much. But now they have quite a variety of different screen sizes. Yeah. And they have multitasking, which means any app can take up half of any screen. And so most apps, because it's been a couple of years, most apps take advantage of that and can easily adopt split screen multitasking. Right. But the ones that don't, they just don't, they either don't do it at all, like it's just not a possible, not impossible, or the app is broken in some fundamental way. Like for Feedly, for example, that's the one that's in between. It's enabled, so you can use it in split screen, but it just truncates, like it just cuts off whatever oh, okay. flows over. Can you scroll over to read the no. rest of it? Oh, really? That's even worse. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's an in-between phase, which I get, but the, the hardware is such a massive improvement that it's, it was totally worth it for me. And I'm, whether or not these apps get updated, all it's going to be is frustrating. It's not going to be a deal breaker. There's, there's also a weird thing where because you kick, sometimes you want to kick something to like, say you're in Twitter and you want to click on a link to go to the internet. But on the other half of the screen, you're watching a video. So I have Twitter and a video open and I click a link. I would think that I would want the video to keep playing. Yeah. And I would want Safari or whatever to open in the same tab that Twitter yeah. was and then give me a backlink to Twitter. But what it does is it just kicks the video out and opens internet and, and Twitter. Mm. And so there's things like that where maybe it's just I'm doing something slightly wrong. Like the, the app that's on the left is the main app and the app that's on the right is like the lesser right. app. So maybe if I have Twitter on the left side yeah. and YouTube on the right, it would take care of it better. Right. But that's the kind of thing where it's only been two days, so I'm still trying to figure out exactly how it's going to work best. But I love, like, there's also picture-in-picture, picture, so I can open a video from my hard drive and just minimize it into a little thumbnail and, like, play a game while watching a video in a adjustable size screen, which is great. And I'm probably going to take this on the bus now and... I, it made me realize again, like I used to take my iPad on the bus when it was relatively new, like when I'd be commuting to work, but I stopped literally because my hardware had just gotten really old. And so it wasn't, it was faster to have my phone with me, even if it was a much smaller screen and I could only do one thing at a time. So I think I'm going to take this on the bus and just do like watch videos and that kind of thing and just enjoy the fastness and maybe not even use my phone at work at all like just literally take the sim card out put it in my ipad and and go from there hmm. very exciting though is that what you do right now is swap the sim when you're using if it on the I, bus if i want to use a lot of data like i do have a second sim card that is data only but it's 150 megabytes for 10 bucks and then once i hit 150 megabytes it jumps up to 25 dollars and i get more data but right i don't want to do that unless i need to right so i've been yeah, if I'm going to use a lot of data, like if I'm going to watch videos on the bus, I'm going to want to have my other, like my SIM card yeah. in. I don't know, maybe your phone will start supporting tethering again. Maybe, because yours yeah. still does? Ours stopped when we switched from the Sony phones to the Nexus 4. It stopped okay. tethering. But did you say it had started again? Yeah, recently? when we got the new phones. When we got the yeah. Note 4s, it started tethering again. And it still does? Yeah. Okay. Tethers beautifully. Yeah. I'm hoping that mine does too then. Yeah. But uh, Have you tried? Have, have you tried thoughts. recently? I I've tried I tried when we last talked about it so a few weeks ago. Oh, so okay. I'll try again today. But you still have the same phone though, right? Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I have more thoughts on this, but I'm going to continue, like give it a week okay, and maybe write about it and follow up with you guys. But new technology is my favorite thing. Did you guys see that picture of the iPad pro that I saw on the bus? Like the giant one? Yeah. 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 I think that's a bit too much for the bus. I think it's a lot. Um, yeah. Again, it didn't seem like he was doing any sort of like photo editing or anything that was like work related that he's actually right. using this giant iPad for. He's yeah. just kind of watching something or whatever. It's like, I don't know. I guess Maybe cool, he's though. just like Brady Heron and he wants the pro version. <laughs> well, Robbie just have, wants to be called pro. Yeah. Well, he's a giant pro version. <laughs> yeah. So you, you have the baby pro, right? Robbie? Yes. Which I, I, I like this, that screen size is not like that for me would be a laptop replacement type of thing. Whereas this is right. An in-between well, thing. I don't want to have to go to that. Gray does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he has both. Yeah. That's what, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't he have three now. Yeah. Yeah. He has three. Cause he's he one, one as a Kindle at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be a YouTuber. Jeez. But, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, uh, I'll soft, introduce this i've i've been looking at well looking at i'm about to start blogging for myself right not as myself and so i've been digging into linux and setting up wordpress on it which has been a very fun experiment and i'm looking forward to kind of writing more not just personally but about things and so that pro this might be the inaugural piece that goes up is my initial thoughts on this this tablet but uh, one of the things that I see working really well is use like operating WordPress on here because the blogger app on any platform that isn't like a full web browser on a desktop computer is absolutely awful. But the WordPress app is pretty good on uh, at least on iOS. I haven't tried it on Android. Mm. Very excited though. So look out for look out for that new blog launching. Probably when I well, I guess when I decide to get the first piece up. I'll just launch it and then improve it as time goes on. Cause otherwise I could spend like years to try to make it absolutely perfect, like blog platform, but I should really just start writing. Right. Do you guys have any, uh, any post show stuff to talk about? So last week I went to the garden show. Yes. Not the home and garden show. Cause <laughs> the Leafs trade goaltenders when I go there. Um, <laughs> but no, so I've got, uh, Kaya wanted something to go in a little owl owl planter she has. Mm. And so they had specifically mojito mint. So we've got a little mm -hmm. pot of mojito mint going now. A little sprig of it broke off when I was transplanting. And I've taken to throwing a slice of lemon in my water bottle and taking that to work. So was it Monday? Monday, whatever day it was. I had mo or uh a sprig of mojito mint and a slice of lemon in my water bottle. And okay. uh, that, was, that was some pretty gourmet stuff. It was pretty great. Nice. Is yeah. the mojito mint like sweet? Um, honestly, like it's, it's hard to describe unless you just say, have you had a mojito? Yes. It tastes exactly like that mint. <laughs> it's a little more, um, it's got a little less of the minty flavor to it. Like mm. the minty like aroma this. almost. Okay. I guess menthol maybe. Is that yeah, the 
that's kind of what I have in my head right now that you're just. I feel like it's got less menthol and more, uh, like just robust flavor, flavor to yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. I also have peppermint seeds, so I, I'd kind of like to try making some beverages with mojito and peppermint just to see how it goes. But just just a little bit is me running out of potting space. <laughs> and so hence the greenhouses in canada you're looking at totally yeah i would like to i would like to grow peppers year round is the long and short yeah and i've also Who been wouldn't? i've also been kind of fascinated with combustion science and stuff like that so i'd like to build a rocket mass heater to fuel a greenhouse right rocket like, mass heater yeah, yeah, you have basically it's um you know, do you know what a rocket stove is? No. No. Okay, so very simply, it's it's got a little box with like a grate in it and then a chimney at the end of the box. So I mean normally you just build a fire on a surface or whatever and it burns and you put something over that surface. Yeah. But when you're doing that, there's a large section underneath that's getting no airflow. So it just turns into like ash or whatever. And you're not really getting as much out of the, uh, the combustion fuel as you could be. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a rocket stove, they have like some for, uh, camping applications now, but they're also trying to sell them to the developing world. Because you, you, you like put your fuel on this little tray. It's almost like a barbecue grate, but it's elevated off of the floor of the stove. Mm. So you get airflow going past it, but you get more pure combustion because the air, the air is reaching every single part of the fuel. Right. And then you get less smoke and more energy. And so you just put something on top of the chimney, you right. know, allowing for airflow. But you can use less fuel, you get more pure combustion, and so you also get less air pollution because a lot of people have respiratory problems because you're sitting in your small shelter and getting a lot of smoke, and that's just not good for you. Hmm, and it sense. disproportionately affects women, yada, yada, yada. It's just not great. So is it almost designed more like a furnace? And then well, you have like the chimney directing the heat towards whatever it is you're trying to heat? So that's that's a rocket stove, but a rocket mass heater, you have you have like a little hopper or something, then a channel that takes it to a chimney. So in that way, it's much the same. It's just built into the ground or something like that. So you have airflow all around it, but it creates a downdraft so that, you know, you can direct it more towards the exhaust or something like that. But you, so are you with me so far? I think so. Slightly. Okay. So imagine like the letter J. Yeah. That's more or less what the burn tube looks like, except the bottom of the J is flat. So you start, you start a fire in the bottom like just light some newspaper or something like yeah. that and pile sticks on top of that, allowing for a lot of airflow. So the flames 
are moving towards the chimney and not back up through the entrance. Okay. Because it's so being get, drawn that way. Yeah, yeah, okay. you're getting draw that way. But then what you do is you put uh, like a, a barrel, like an oil barrel or something like that. Not actual oil, obviously. <laughs> but you put you put that over top of the insulated chimney. And then you build an exhaust tube at the bottom. So what you get there is when stuff exits the chimney, you get a torus flow. But once you hit a certain temperature, the heat of the exhaust and which, you know, really heats up the barrel that starts a secondary combustion so that any impure combustion products then get burned within that torus. And as they cool, they start to drop down and go through the exhaust tube, but you snake the exhaust tube through a, it, whatever, like something very heavy, like, uh, I want to say, what's that stuff? Cobb. Like it's a mixture of like sand, clay and straw or something like that. They build okay. houses out of it. Anyway. If you don't know what cob is, it's easily Googleable. You could also snake it through like concrete or whatever, like a big brick setup, something mm -hmm. like that. Like but a heat then, sink? Yeah, yeah. The heat of the exhaust is absorbed by whatever this big heavy thing is and then re-radiates the heat later. So okay. it's just you're maximizing your efficiency, basically. Mm -hmm. So what I would like to do is maybe like build a floor to a greenhouse out of brick, but have an like an exhaust channel that just tra snakes through the brick. Right. Yeah. And then have the, like the burn barrel inside the greenhouse, but the fuel hopper outside. So you're not creating a draft within the greenhouse. That's my grand plan. And How long gonna was be, that? This is going to be in your, your, your rented apartment in downtown Calgary. No, that's going to be when I have <clears throat> when I have land. Okay. It'll be a, re a retirement project. I'll just right. draw the bl the blueprints for the next forty years. Okay, I was wondering <laughs> what the timeline of this was because I was like, that sounds yeah. like a fairly involved project to be doing. It definitely does. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it would be like it would take a a while, especially if it's just me doing it. But you could like lay a foundation, build a brick you know, whatever exhaust system, platform, floor, whatever you want to call it. Or just like lay down some ventilation piping with exits so that you can actually collect any fly ash that gets through there and then pour concrete over it or something. Maybe I hope. Right. But like it's doable. Oh no, it's doable. It's just for an apartment to be. Involved. No, it's not happening in an apartment. <laughs> that's, that's the unfortunate thing. But I feel like it could, I feel like it could work. I really do. And I could have peppers all year round. Maybe not all year round in this area because we just don't get enough light in the winter, but right. You know, I've, I've got an after show story for you guys. Okay. And that should be enough to finish this off because we're already an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. God, like how long did I go on about my project? <laughs> So you guys remember when I got the the Mi Band, right? Yes. Like the $20, yeah. $20 fitness tracker from Xiaomi. Show me. Xiao, Xiaomi. 
Show me. that ended up getting lost. Or at least the tracking part did. The band was fine, but the thing that was inserted into the band got lost. So after that, I actually liked the idea of it and that it was a good price point for someone who's cheap and just wants a <laughs> daily indicator of what was activity like. Yeah. So lately, just recently, I was looking for another one because what happens is when I'm sleeping and I want to wake up, it takes me about a good hour to actually wake up. So I have multiple alarms set and, okay. and I often have to get up before Maria does. And she was getting disturbed by a, the number of alarms I have and also how early they go off. So we we're trying to figure out what options there were. And I was like, well, I was like, if the band that I have or that like a lot of fitness bands will have the sleep tracking as well, that can wake you up a either at a preset alarm and or using the sleep tracking smart alarm functionality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I was looking at other fitness trackers that were on the market right now and you know, have your Fitbits that are, you know, a hundred bucks, 150, 200, and you have various other equivalent products from other companies. But then I saw there's one from this company called Razor that apparently is like a game gaming company, but they have yeah. a fitness tracker too. And their entry level fitness tracker is like 30 bucks. It was it was thirty bucks at Best Buy, on sale from like seventy or something like that. But they released a new one, so I actually picked up one of these thirty dollars ones, and all the reviews were comparing it to the Mi Band that I had before. So okay. it's kind of I knew what I was kind of getting myself in for. But after a day and a half of using it, I'm gonna return it because it stopped connecting with the app very well, and it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't working the way I wanted to. And it has the ability to like notify you when your phone gets notifications, which is cool. And it has led lights that light up different colors depending on how you set the apps up as, but it kept some apps weren't sending the notification incoming calls weren't getting notified and it kept disconnecting from the app. So it's not, it's not worth keeping in my opinion, not super stable, but no good in theory. It's the, the theory was good, but the implementation and the reliability of it wasn't, wasn't up to par, so gonna have to find a different okay. solution. But I, I like you, the idea of that it could wake me up on my wrist. Yeah, but I had a dream that the Apple Watch was one hundred and fifty dollars, <laughs> and I bought one, and it was great. That sounds like a good. Dream. I dreamed a dream of Apple Watches gone by, <laughs> and so, I finally bought one. <laughs> that was it that's all i get my health tracking had been had and i knew what my basal metabolic rate was <laughs> that was the other but cool thing the day rolled around <laughs> and yeah. i realized it was a dream the fit i asked i us. was the- so disappointed <laughs> The fitness trackers now have heart rate that this song on it, does not run. Thank you, Nick. What's happening? <laughs> Nick's had a lot of coffee and he's in a singing mood now. Sounds like it. What were you saying, Mike? Oh, just that a lot of fitness trackers now they have the heart rate, the optical heart rate built into it, the same way that the Apple Watch yeah. does. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to try out a band that has that because mm. there's another one from Garmin 
called the Viva. Viva Smart. Yeah, that one. Yeah, Viva Smart HR. That looks mm. pretty cool, but I don't know if it's worth it. Right for for what it is. It's like it's trying I'm, to be a smartwatch, but it's not. Rob, speaking of operating systems, you hmm. uh, you've been seem to have had experience with uh, another operating system that's in beta right now. You want to want to tell us about that? Another operating system in beta. Yeah, or developer preview, maybe not beta. I'm not sure that I agree with you. What I'm not even sure what you're referring to. <sighs> <laughs> i'm trying to segue for you rob <laughs> i realize that but i don't know what you're segueing to <laughs> yeah i think mike's here... segueing to his own story maybe he has something here about android n oh i don't i'm not running android n have you not tried it no oh, then what are you talking about you're saying Ugh, never mind <laughs> this is what i'm saying the segue doesn't work because i don't i'm not running android n i do it'd be interesting to talk about it but as a segue well, it's in here as a story you have, Rob, so I'm trying to segue to it. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, okay, let, let's talk about Android. Nick, you are a new co-host. Uh, I'll be new junior correspondent. <laughs> welcome, welcome, okay. welcome to Future Chat. <laughs> so, Rob, I hear that Android N is already really fast and fluid with some inevitable bugs. Why don't you tell us more about that? So this is a story that has been in our notes since probably the day it came out. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I'm glad we're getting to it. Nick, we're going to I'll give you some notes on co-hosting. <laughs> uh, so Android N is the the evolution basically of 